0: And now,
1: for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys.
0: Hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to our special holiday episode number 58 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on Sunday, December 21st, 2014. Well, folks, it's four days before Christmas, and Joe and I are here to bring you nothing but the freshest content marketing news. While other podcasts take the week off, those lazy you-know-whats, not anything, not rain nor snow, not even North Korea can prevent us from releasing our little audio bundle of joy for you. Here at PNR, our little island of misfit toys, we hope you and yours have an especially relaxing and joyous holiday season planned, and that Santa will be guided by Rudolph no matter the weather in your city. And if you've gotten any enjoyment from our little show this year, we'd love a gift, a review on iTunes, won't you? Tell iTunes audiences what you think of our little thing. All right, let's move on to our show, our special holiday show. And, of course, I'm happy to introduce my partner, my colleague, my good, good friend, the Yukon Cornelius of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. <laughs> Merry Christmas, my friend.
1: Merry Christmas. And uh, it's been a wonderful <laughs> year. You know, it's, it's been
0: a, a fantastic year. There you go. is your drinking game, folks. We,
1: we have been blessed this year. so it's And, and already been, looking forward to well, – don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to everybody being off email for the next two weeks. But oh, yeah. that aside – I mean, we're looking, we're looking strong into, um, into 15. It looks like a lot of these enterprises are just getting going with a lot of their content marketing plans. It which,
0: has been amazing.
1: Isn't I mean, it something?
0: I'm hitting the ground. I hit the ground on the 5th of July and immediately start flying to clients who are looking to get their strategy engaged. And Fifth of the January, 5th of January?
1: or 5th of January, you mean? Fifth of January. Oh, I you say said fifth else? of July. Fifth of July. I thought you were drinking a fifth of well, tequila.
0: Well, I. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's that as well. <laughs> there's that as well. It's a little early for that, but not too
1: early, actually. Um, yeah. No, but yeah, uh, uh, but th- hey, thank you for. We're recording this early, obviously, and uh, between your your schedule and my schedule, we have you know two o'clock Eastern time on Sunday to record this, and I'm actually putting off my Browns game, which really doesn't yes. matter anymore because. They're, they have no playoff hopes, but you know it's okay. That's what Directv was made for. That's I'm, exactly I'm recording right. it as put we it on speak.
0: Pause. Put it on pause. Put it and on just pause. It
1: come right back and and watch Johnny Manziel get sacked and throw <laughs> a couple. Although I got I watched the first quarter, you know, nothing traumatic happened, so I'm feeling no, no, pretty good.
0: Yeah. It's it's yeah, it's uh, I think I think I think good things are going to happen, um in, in this game. For you, that's well, that's my and, prediction, that's and I prediction. and
1: I predict the same for for your Cowboys. Although yes. you're looking really good, so that's,
0: yeah, it's it's we'll see. They clinch the division if they win today. So uh, I'll, you know, by the time you guys hear this, it will already have uh, that story will have already been told, of course. But uh, so we'll see. I'm feeling very positive. I have to say,
1: yeah, I see. I feel like Demarco Murray comes in. Uh, does his Emmett Smith in, in, you know impression? He yep. scores two or three touchdowns, and, and Johnny Manziel wins the game on a eleven yard run as time expires. There you so. go,
0: <laughs> there you go. I like it. That's a Christmas. That's a Christmas story right that is, there. That's fantastic. All you need is a Red Ryder BB gun, and you're set to go. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, brother, let's get Moving on, on
0: to the news. Um, Slow news week, as you guys might expect here with the holiday upon us, but uh, some interesting stories, I thought, this week. Um, Our first one to kick off our show here is Time's big bet on becoming a technology company. And this one fascinated me because, you know, if you had asked me to pick which publisher was actually going to get into this business and do these kinds of things, I would not have picked Time. But here we go. This article comes to us from businessinsider.com. And it talks about how Time, Inc. doesn't just want to be known as the operator and publisher of popular magazines like Time and Sports Illustrated, InStyle people, and all those things. It wants to, and are you ready for this, it wants to become a technology company too. Um, And it has launched products to rival, as they say, the likes of Facebook and Twitter and Salesforce, and uh, weirdly the article mentions Tinder, although I'm not really sure what that would be. Um, But the fascinating thing to me is I look at – What's happening here. And they've got this, the, the thing that sort of stood out to me here was this partnership that they have with IFTTT, the If This Then That service, where they actually created this product that really starts to integrate publishing content and then the If This Then That functionality to really drive a lot of really interesting functionality. What did you think about this? This is them becoming an app company?
1: Well, I have a take on this, actually, and but I need your uh, your wisdom to help Uh-oh. me out with this. Okay? Well, don't depend on that. <laughs> so the, so I, the author of of this one talks about them moving into becoming a, a tech company and gives some examples around that. And then, But I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to read the article. I, I don't know if – has Time said that they want – Time has said that they want to become a technology company, right? This is –
0: Yes, they have said this. Well, I guess what it is. This is not
1: just conjecture on the part of the, the writer. This time is saying that they're trying to move into this area, correct?
0: That is correct. That is correct. And I think they, they say that through their, you know, I don't know if they've literally said, we want to be a technology company. But I think what they have said through the mouth of their newly acquired CTO um, and a number of hires they've made, as well as a number of announcements, such as the one with the if this, then that, is... That they are moving into this space, they are quickly moving beyond just publishing and into the app development, or into what would classically be thought of as the app development, and you and I might call it still the media business. Right? Well,
1: that's that's actually that's what I'm trying to get to because nothing that I read in this article says that the time is becoming a tech company. So when I think of a tech company, I think of Qualcomm, Intel. Real, you right. know, they're really right. creating and moving technology and innovation. Everything. That I read through with the examples, even the, the if this then that, and and all these apps. It's all around a content experience. That's it's right. all around monetizing exactly. experience around content. And so that yeah. what's what this is media. This is they're not they're basically just saying they're becoming a digital media company, right?
0: That's right. That's right. I, and I think that's the real key here is, is that. What they're really creating is interactive content, which we have classically known as technology. Whether we call it apps or, you know, I mean, it's the it's the equivalent of of would you call EA or you know uh, or Activision a technology company? No, they're really a media company. It's just interactive media, right? It's video games in that in that particular case, and in this same way that I don't think time is not going to develop, you know, a, a sales, which is why I think the salesforce.com one is, you know, you can argue that Facebook is now a broadcast media company, right? And that's not really a tech company anymore. Okay. Um, and that's where that, I think the lines between, uh, media and, you know, and new media, if you will, or digital internet, web-based media are blurring. And, 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 and it, from that perspective, I would totally agree with you. I think that what we're talking about here is Time really just extending what they're doing from an interactivity standpoint, a new media paradigm, if you will, but but not necessarily becoming a software development company.
1: Well, I mean, so the one thing that they talk about is this one bot social trending tool that Time has created. And it sounds like they're thinking about expanding that into offering it as a service for customers. That's what I read into it, which is – yeah. Which is great, and that's that's something in and of itself where you're creating a a service through this technology app or whatever. But everything else here is around, and, and this is where I get concerned over the times of the world where they, they stop losing focus or stop focusing on their audience and creating these powerful experiences that they've been doing for a long, long time. I just, I would like them to keep that focus on the content experience, which Just because they're accepting Bitcoin now doesn't mean that they're a tech company.
0: No, (laughs) right. That's the first example in the article. No, of course there's a tech
1: company. (laughs) Right. They accept Bitcoin. Like, if they accept (laughs) PayPal, does that mean that – what is that? (laughs) You know? That's cool, Joe. It's it's, it's cool to accept Bitcoin. It's just – I just kind of – Blew me away yeah. on that example. Well, but the it, one thing I thought was interesting, at least for the people listening, is and they. Met, this was back in February, but they cut five hundred jobs. Yeah, and they're trying to reposition, uh, transition the company in this new direction. That's where if I'm anybody listening to this, especially a large brand, I'm like saying there's a lot of really good talent out there right now. I'd be well, looking at exactly those right. people.
0: And and the other thing that that, that is interesting here is, is then, and we didn't pair this with another link here, but I actually was reading a couple of articles, you know, and of course, this is the time of year when we get predictions and, and all that sort of thing. And a lot of the analysts, especially on the IT and technology side, are talking about how brands are themselves, you know, sort of this idea of IT or technology as differentiator is coming back. You know, it was in the early dot-com days, it was all about how your IT department was going to be the differentiating part of your business. And then it sort of went away as, um, you know, the dot-com bust and all of that and sort of IT became more, again, infrastructure and efficiencies and all that. But it's coming back a little bit with this idea of data. And using data as, you know, in other words, they talked about how, for example, some of the car manufacturers or a company like Caterpillar can start to, you know, pull in data and start to sell data back to customers or sell data in other ways and actually productize and or utilize first party collected data. And we know this firsthand from when we see, you know, for example, Julie Fleischer at Kraft and what she's doing with first party collected data that this really is. An opportunity for businesses, and so I think in many in many cases, what we're talking about here with time, with other media companies, really getting into this interactivity, it is all about actually collecting first party data here. Because you know, when you think about it, what is a media company's monetization model? It's really monetizing the audience, and the know more you know about that audience, the better. and Collecting that data is going to be the, yep. really the differentiator for most media companies going forward. Well, that's that's a
1: great point. I mean, yeah, that, that's the core model. To that. They have a very loyal audience and a number of different niches, and they can monetize that in a lot of different ways. Traditionally, that's been through content sales or through advertising, but it doesn't have to be. When I look at the one-bot social trending tool and them getting in it, that's marketing services
0: yeah, into exactly.
1: some of these tech apps. That's a different model that's a, and and I don't know if that's where I, I would almost I would almost want time to start doubling down and creating more positive content experiences for their audience instead yeah. of saying oh what new things should we do I mean and this is this, I'm, I'm speaking from experience here because I remember when I started at Penton in 2000 and we launched something called B2B Showplace, which we thought was going to be the online social media networking hubs for each of our... That's a corporate.
0: lot of buzzwords right in a row. Oh, friend. yeah.
1: We, it was it, Exactly. That's exactly how it was written up <laughs> in the brochure. And, uh, and we thought that, oh, what a great opportunity. We're the media company. We can also be the social networking gathering place around this. And it completely bombed and it set us back millions of dollars made a huge mistake because we forgot what our core competency was
0: right exactly and that's Content. that's
1: what and, and not that anything was wrong with this article but when i read that that's that was my lens that i read it through and, and i got concerned when i read it for Times. well
0: here's the thing i think what you're seeing there is a interpretation of what time strategy is time may be thinking exactly like what you're talking exactly. about. exactly Yes. you know and what you're seeing here is sort of their take on this which you know may or may not be the case
1: so, yeah, now's yeah. the time to double down. That's yeah, what I absolutely.
0: Say. Well, speaking of doubling down and data and all of that, this next article, uh, it comes to us from a LinkedIn post from Nicholas Carlson, who is the chief correspondent at uh, Business Insider, um, which is an interesting publication, I have to say, um, and often mentioned on this show, certainly, It's the the title of the post, which has gotten a little bit of attention here, is Google's Rough Transition. And remind me, we have a hat tip to somebody for passing this on. Remind me who that was. Uh, who passed this on to Ooh, us. I'll, I'll look, try
1: to look up. that up. Yeah, yeah
0: and, and while while I'm going through this, look it up. But, so anyway, this article comes to us uh, with a big hat tip to somebody we'll talk to in just a second. But the article, what it really speaks to, or the post, is that it starts by saying, look, CEO Larry Page has been frustrated with the pace of innovation at the company, and certainly Google has not gotten any smaller of late, took a big step back from day-to-day operations and has turned over control of the day-to-day operations, certainly to Sundar uh, Pichai, And then it goes on to talk through really an argument for how Google has really not transitioned into this new mobile-driven world very well and where content and search. And it talks through a number of arguments um, that really – you know speaks to this one is is that you know people are using search in different ways now in other words they're searching for products on Amazon rather than using Google they're actually searching through social networks like Twitter and and Facebook to look for trending topics they're actually looking at uh, different ways that, that Google is failing to expand quickly overseas, you know, sort of in Russia and Spain, um, and how the EU is really pressuring them. It also talks about how Facebook has now decided to compete with YouTube, with video advertising, a number of – he builds this argument. And the question, I guess, for both of us to talk about here is, A, do we feel like that this is accurate? Do we feel like this is – this is the you know, Google is really struggling with this transition? And where does content sort of play into this? You know, we often talk about where search is and search engine optimization is and sort of the scope of content marketing. And how does that really play with uh, other articles that I've seen with native advertising now becoming a big threat to Google, maybe um, other advertising models becoming a threat like Taboola or Outbrain becoming, you know, where do you, where do you,
1: where did you come down on this? I thought it, it seemed like a lot of not too much. And now, now let me let me preface that we talked about this maybe it was last show where about the power of Pinterest as a search tool, and right. of course the article here goes on to Am- uh, Amazon's increase forty seven percent over the past twelve months in their search queries. Right, um, I think the Facebook. Uh, you know, the Facebook YouTube thing where they're, you know, the, the dominance over video. I think Facebook's got a long way to go in this, but there's something there. I really do believe that, you know, with Facebook, uh, you're being able to upload native video and more people using that and get shareability through that. Maybe not the serialized programs that you have on YouTube, but there's something there. People are sharing more video on on Facebook because of it. Um, you know, I, I think that Google's revenue streams... In ten years, are going to be so different than what we see now because they've been playing for ten years in all kinds of markets. I mean, just look for example, uh, what they've been doing with Nest. You know, they purchased Nest, and that's really looks like a. Uh, I mean, they're they're going after. It's a battle for the home. Right. I mean, they really are battling for I see that that's where I think General Electric comes in. I, I think General Electric is looking at if you look at GE lighting and what they're doing with their appliances, they really think that there's an opportunity to, to be the communication center within the home. I think Google definitely sees that. And I think you're fighting. And of course, then you've got your Amazon and your Microsoft with Xbox and your Sony with PlayStation. I mean, you see that like who, what's going to be the interface for the home. I think Google is right into the mix with that. I don't know where it's going to come out, but I mean, if this, if we're, we're to believe that their advertising revenue is going to be less or slow down, yes, well, it has. It has. Uh, yeah, of course it, it is. has. Yeah, but does that mean that I should be concerned because they're in almost every disruptive market? I mean, here's the thing, right? Their market is being disruptive. Search advertising, they were the disruptor. Now they're being disrupted by a lot of right. different players, especially with as consumers are changing how they're behaving. But in all the new stuff that's coming on from space travel to this battle for the home that we're talking about uh to what our next smartphone is going to be, Google's right there. 1 2 or 3 in each one yep. of those categories. So I don't yeah. know what do you, I mean is this should we take this seriously or is it just this
0: <laughs> Well, here's what I well I think so I think broadly speaking this is a little bit like, you know, it, did we put a pea-sized dent in the side of (laughs) the the Abrams tank, right? You know, so, I mean, look, Google, as you've very, very appropriately pointed out, Google is a giant company and has their hand in all manner of, types of businesses, and so could theoretically execute on any one of those, right, including the smart home or driverless cars or phones or, you know, all those different businesses. Here's what I'll say with regard I, – what I, what I really noticed his focus was well, – I think maybe a, a more appropriate title for this article or this post should have been Why Google Search, has really struggled to make the transition, right? So where they have really struggled is in the monetization of search uh, because – so quick anecdote here. I – I spoke at this um, uh, financial uh, – I do every year this this, this uh, client of, uh, of mine, which is a, a financial services company, big Wall Street firm. And every year they have this thing where I come in and talk about what's going on in marketing and, and all that kind of stuff. And I said something this year that got such – I mean I didn't mean to do this, but I, all of the Wall Street guys, like I, they had a private – like they scheduled a private meeting with me because I guess when I said this, I said search is broken. And when I said that, all these tech investors went like completely crazy and said, what, "What do you mean searches? let's have it." So I ended up having a conference call, and I'll tell you what I told them, which is because I've been looking at this issue of the ads and and, and dollars and and all of that, and the mobile. Um, and here's what I said to them, I, which is I think really at the heart of this post, which is, look, we all know that search engine optimization has changed fundamentally, right? We've talked many times on this show about how. SEO has changed and they're all becoming content marketing companies now and regular old brands have really in many cases given up you know because of the algorithm changes and they've just sort of said look uh, we're this're we're, we're tired of chasing money after really trying to optimize against search so does that help the does that help their advertising business I think in the short term it does but I also think that they're starting to see some fragmentation from all those things that he mentions here social media click ads, Um, you know other types of native advertising other you know so the media budget I think is getting ticked off a little bit right you know where we're saying you know what we're maybe not going to put as much money into search marketing because it's not as effective for us anymore as some of these other opportunities we might have such as putting our ads into Facebook or or, or those types of things the other thing I'll, I'll say is is that mobile has been, you know, we've talked about this many times, it's hugely explosive, and why there's lack of screen real estate. You say this all the time, talk about the lack of screen real estate and content and people aren't going to click on ads. And the experience in mobile is much, much different than on desktop. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to affect that as well. And then if you look at what's going on where they're really expanding search advertising, and there's lots of articles on this, by the way, where they're expanding into China and South America really their growth markets right now from a search advertising standpoint and the margins are much lower there in those in those countries. And so there's been there's actually a, a, a great post that goes through the math about how when you sort of take the average, actually the revenues are up but the margins are down and that's why they're you're seeing them quote unquote lose monies because China and South America and all these other countries are so I don't I'm not nearly good enough to do the math on all that stuff and figure out if it's really broken or not. What I do know, is that, yeah, people, I know people are searching Amazon now for products, and I know people are searching Facebook and Twitter for other experiences, and I know companies like uh, Travelocity and Expedia and Kayak have really started to drink the milkshake of, of, of product search for a long time and have really gamed that system through SEO. And so consumers have, their behavior has changed with regard to search. And how they search for stuff, which has thus changed the way that marketers – and I think if Google doesn't figure out the content game, in other words, what they're going to do with buying content properties and ways to monetize content like what they're doing with YouTube, I think search will – ultimately hurt or, or continue to hurt because of that. Because consumers are figuring out that Google isn't the only place to find the thing that they're looking for.
1: Well, that's the thing with the consumer side too, because you you and I know some folks that if they're in retail and they're searching for a product, they might not go to Google first anymore. They're going to go to Pinterest. That's right. Which exactly. is odd. I just, I mean, I've just learned that over the last six months. I didn't realize that's how consumers were using it. Just a couple points and then we can move on to the next one because I i really did appreciate the the article because I'm thinking about a couple things. And, and I, I mean, everybody probably knows this listening to this, but I just didn't realize <laughs> the textual versus the image play. So you have, let's say that Google, you look at that, that's more of a textual play overall with how consumers interact with that. And then you have YouTube, right? So you have Google, right. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook, mostly text. Yes. Yep. Imagery, but mostly text, Instagram, visual, LinkedIn, Mostly text, SlideShare, visual. They all have their pair. It's just interesting to see. And I, I mean, this is not rocket science here, but it's just interesting to see how these companies are setting themselves up for the visual play and especially how LinkedIn's been coming out strategically over the past few months talking about how important SlideShare is now, which I didn't think they thought it was important. But now it looks like they're saying, look, this this should be the, the YouTube for, for business.
0: I think that's right. I think that's exactly right, and 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 it's funny because we did our we did our predictions post. Um, CMI did the predictions post, and mine was the you know I sort of did two right, the safe one, and then I said the one that you can call me out on um, next year is that I predicted that Google would buy Twitter, and if I had to do it over again, that prediction I would say Google buys Pinterest, right? Because I think. That's that the makes real. more sense with their yeah.
1: current model, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. Now, I mean, so from a from a commerce product search monetization standpoint, I think – I was thinking at the time when I made that prediction that Google needed an identity system, um, and I think Twitter would make it a, a great identity system for them and, and and really provide what Google Plus has not provided. But I think now if I look at it and, and put this article into context with some of the other things that are going on, I probably would, would – Redo that prediction and say Pinterest instead of instead of Twitter, but and that's I, but interesting. I think they'll buy somebody. That, They're going to buy somebody. That
1: could happen, and I guess Pinterest could almost put their number down. I mean, we saw in the uh, the Sony release things that we talked about last week that uh, they offered three billion for Snapchat. Yeah, for, so exactly. You know, that's that's or was it them or Facebook? Was it Google or Facebook? Do you remember? Uh,
0: I think it was Facebook. Actually. I think
1: okay. Well, anyways, yeah. well, they're all up for sale, yeah. <laughs> right? To the, exactly to the highest bidder. The last thing that I'll leave it at, and I talked about this in CMI's e-newsletter that came out um, last week, but I read the the, the runner-up for uh, person Times Person of the Year was was Jack Ma, who is the founder oh, of Alibaba. And the one thing I think that's
0: well, that and that's a huge thing coming down the road that nobody has on their radar.
1: Right. Well, you know, what's interesting about this, one of the quotes and he said this quote and he lives by this quote, and I'm not going to say it right. But it was something like, if you fight in the ocean, you will lose. If you fight in the river, you will win. And if you look at Alibaba's business model, they don't have the big killer app type of thing that Google does with search. They have they are the, the leader in very small niches.
0: Yeah, exactly. A hundred
1: of them, a thousand of them, the way that right. it looks like. I mean, they're in so many businesses. It's unbelievable, and it's, that's how they're becoming
0: big. Yeah, it's mind-blower how many businesses they're in. That, that but I think – It's why you've never heard of them, right? Well, because they're, but, they're but a to million that, little things, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, But to that point, I think that's how we need to look at content marketing.
0: Yeah, instead and of are coming being, here
1: yeah instead of being the one area that oh we wanna be the you know the audience or we want to create this audience for for everything, focus on doing it in fifty smaller places. <laughs>
0: that's such a great point that's such a great point. It's a great takeaway for marketers, right which is that you know focus on being great in one small place instead of trying to be the game changer in an entire industry yeah. Even time. Even if you're a big company, yeah.
1: Even time. Look at Time's model. Right. They, exactly. They, they're, they're, it's not just. It's not Time Magazine. It's all these other smaller. Well, not smaller, but they're big now. But they're all niches. Yeah. And Time that's right. is is a collection of niches. And I think that's where, if we're looking, if we have eight customers uh, for our B2B business, you could technically say we're looking at eight media properties or content brands around that instead of one big one that covers everything.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly.
1: All right. Moving on to our next story.
0: a And and this one we'll cover, I think, quickly because this is something we actually talked about last week yep. um, where I sort of could not remember the name of the, <laughs> the publication, and I was calling it Sugar Street and Sugar Bear, <laughs> and, Sugar Bear and Sugar Sugar Baby. Um, this is Lessons from Sugar String, and you're actually quoted in this article. I am um, This comes from Digiday, um, and it's basically a, a post-mortem, if you will, really, review of what went wrong with Verizon's content marketing play called Sugar String, and for those of you who didn't know and and didn't maybe catch the the show last week, uh, Sugar String was Verizon's uh, play into news. They were going to try and cover all things topical and news with regards to telecommunications and stuff, and um, it was trying to fashion themselves after sort of an edgy lifestyle news, kind of like Vox Media's the merge or something like that, and. What happened was they, it came out somehow that the platform wasn't going to take any content regarding net neutrality um, or uh, anything like that, and basically the world screamed Verizon backed down and turned the whole thing off. And so basically now Digiday is coming out saying what went wrong and interviewed a number of people, including you, Mr. Pulitzi, and Rebecca Lieb and a few others um, about what actually went wrong and what they should have done. So what did you so tell everybody what you said and then and then what what your sort of expanded take on that was.
1: Well, and and I, you know, I've thought a lot about this and I think I've got a good feel for Thought I was going to give a recommendation. I think I have it down now. It took me a while to get there. Um, I mean, the, the, Rebecca Lee makes a really good suggestion, almost on similar lines as Sam Slaughter from Contently. And when they're, and they're quoted in here, and they're talking about how, you know, they should, you know, Verizon should have known better. They put their corporate agenda away, for, uh, ahead of, of journalism, ahead of the audience. And then Sam, that was what Rebecca talked about. And Sam talked about how, you know, a telco should be focusing on, on covering something around entertainment more than, Telecommunication news issues, that's just too touchy a subject. And I thought about it a lot, and I was talking with um, with the writer about this, um, uh, Ricardo, on the phone a little bit. And I said, yes, they, maybe they should have gone to entertainment. Maybe right. maybe they did pick the wrong – but here's my here's my take, and this is where I said the, the biggest thing that concerned me was not that they said, look, they couldn't cover issues of net neutrality or something else because that was the big issue, right? It got out – that they weren't allowed to cover these things. Right. My issue was what what makes them give up so easy? Right. I mean, seriously, exactly. dude. And I said I said if you they were a media company, they'd never just say, up we put all millions of dollars into it, but you know, we're done. They got us. We're yeah. we're done.
0: Exactly. Right, exactly. They
1: found out nobody yeah. does this. Who does it? And they just they just shut it down. And that's what I told Ricardo and that was my take. I said if you're a media company you're making a long-term commitment to build an audience. I said, that's the difference between branded content and a content brand. They should have stuck with it. That was the big error. It wasn't that they said they weren't going to cover things. It was that they, they stopped. But here's, the, here's what I wanted to ask you, Robert, because this is what you know. everybody talks about, and there's been countless, dozens of articles on and every one of the, the, the different areas we cover on this thing. But here's my take. Everybody was talking about how Verizon did it wrong. Here's my question. What what if they just came out and said, Yeah, we're not covering it? Too bad. Like right. aren't they they could cover whatever
0: they want. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, so we talked when we when this first came out, this wasn't the last week's show, this was this was a month or two ago when it actually when it sort of hit the hit the press on all this stuff. Yeah. When this came out, that was what we said. We basically said, you know what? They get to c co- it's their it's their story. They get to tell it any way they want. They that's and that's what I think is 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 that you know regardless of whether or not they decided that you know the corporate agenda was going to get you know was going to outweigh the journalistic agenda or whatever like that i think they had two viable options there one was to go yeah we're not going to cover net neutrality That's right. sorry it's our property if that if you don't dig it then don't come yeah exactly you know, sorry, that's, you know, this is our point of view is that, you know, and in fact, we're going to cover net neutrality, but we're going to cover it in the way that, you know, now we're going to cover it have,
1: because this is the way this is our point of view,
0: our distinct point of view, just on like this. Yeah. that's <laughs> the that's the thing that annoys me the most is, is that is that by sort of it, it's kind of like saying, well, we want to we have a very strong opinion on this until you ask us about it. And then, of course, we don't have a strong opinion on this anymore. It's it's it, that is the really chicken thing in my, in my mind they should they have said. just
1: been proud and said yeah. yep this is yep. exactly or what not, we're covering right? here this is we're having this conversation over here exactly. because we think it's important to our audience and forget you it's not you know fox fox news isn't exactly saying, you know they're not if they say fox you need to be covering more more about government programs and their positive effect on right. the united right. states they'll say go exactly. take a hike right exactly you know? <laughs> exactly Exactly. But here's the thing, and and, we can get off of it because we did cover it last time, but here's the quote from Verizon. It says – this is from a statement uh, Verizon made. It says, as you know, we've always said that this was a pilot project, speaking of Sugar String. And as with any pilot project, we evaluate, take our learnings, improve our execution, and move forward. So that's (laughs) what they said. The only issue is –
0: they didn't move forward. Right. They took their learnings and, and they, you know, did something else. I'm taking <laughs> my bottles and going home. <laughs> they played unfair. I'm taking my marbles and going home. <laughs> no soup for you. Yeah, yeah, I mean exactly, right? What's, what? What?
1: What? Who does this? And yeah. that's what I told Ricardo on the phone. I said, who does this? Who invests all this stuff? And that at the at one sign of adversity, oh, we're, still, we're done. Oh, I yeah. can't take it anymore. Right. Exactly. So, anyways. They don't like go. me. <laughs> they don't like me. You, just, you can just see it on the playground just stomping right. off. Exactly, I'm, take, I'm I'm taking all my toys with me. And of me. all the
0: companies, right? I mean, look, you know, all of the telecommunications companies have to be like have th- thick hides at this point, right? I mean, that's oh, like, yeah. it's not like they're beloved brands and they're like, ooh, we don't want to mess up our beloved brand status at the moment, right? It's like, they're, they're not all of them have sort of the, you know, uh, well, let's just say not 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 many of the telecommunications companies are, are in the status of like having a super high net promoter well, score at the moment. You're exactly.
1: Well, here's the opportunity. Here's what they should do. Anybody in Verizon listening to this, I would... I would come back out and and start again, yeah. And so, and we'll, not, we'll actually just say, "Hey, look, we stopped for a week. We got our act together, and now we were coming on strong. And here's what we stand for, and here's what we're trying to do." Done. And it's
0: and it's called Sugar Rope.
1: Now <laughs> we
0: we've, we've taken this string to a whole it's new called level. Sugar
1: Concrete. <laughs> it's called. We will not budge sh- for anyone. Sugar, sugar
0: Chain. We link you to the news. <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking all these up on the fly sugar sugar steel sugar steel there we go with uh with get a little bit of um uh uh oh, darn
1: i it. think it's more like zoolander
0: get a little zoolander oh. you get the sugar steel look you know and get oh you know, yeah it can become a fashion I think magazine it, i
1: think no now we're into like golf brands like sugar titanium there you go is what we're <laughs> at <there. laughs>
0: okay moving on <laughs> Our last story of the show. Um, an interesting one that comes to us from uh, that uh, super high-tech publication, USA Today. Oh, by the way, uh, this,
1: is, this is the one that we got to give the kudos to. I looked it up. This is oh, from, right. This is oh, at sorry. Rich Rosa. So thank yes. you, Rich, for passing this on. Gotcha.
0: Go Absolutely. Um, and the, the title of it is it A Casualty in the Race for Traffic. And it speaks of Nick Denton. Um, As they call him, the often brutally self-aware founder and CEO of Gawker Media. Um, And he talks about how – this article talks about how Denton was basically – he really tired – um, and sent a memo to his staff of late that that the woes that Gawker has seen of late, which is really a declining amount of traffic, um, is really due to their inability to or or not inability but just didn 't um, pivot in the same way that BuzzFeed and some of these other types of sites have really grown they haven 't really grown in that type of content and attracting that kind of traffic. And this was really interesting from a number of perspectives, and I know you have a really great take on this. Um, But to me it was this, there's a couple of things. One is the sort of where we are with the – going back to our first story, where we are with sort of the definition and what media companies are today and what they're really focused on. And then two was sort of how fast things are changing in – in the media world. I mean, we, when we, when we talk about brands launching media, pro, you know, properties, you know, and, and I start hearing about, well, you know, if something like Verizon with Sugar String, right? You know, well, we're going to take two years. No, but by, by the time you launch this, if you take two years to launch this thing, you'll be two years behind. This is, you You have to be able to launch these things so quick. And, and the other, so to me, it really, it, his sort of weariness and tiredness really spoke to this where I see a lot of marketers today, which is that they're just tired. They're just, it's, there's so much going on, it can be overwhelming. And his, I just got this sense that he was like, things are changing so fast. It's just, you know, if I'm not staying up 24 7 and constantly on this thing, it's going to fail. And I, it, it really spoke to me in terms of, you know, he was like, do I get to have a personal life at all? And he yeah. formed this committee and the whole thing. It's really an interesting, I think it's an interesting metaphor of where we sort of are in marketing and where we are in the media landscape today of how hard it really is.
1: I, you know, we talked about this before. Here's the quote that kills me, that concerns me. So the whole article talks about, you know, Gawker, he sort of feels like he hasn't been able to keep up with the BuzzFeeds of the world and all the the 150 million monthly visitors that the BuzzFeed gets. And there's a quote in here that says and i think this is from the author actually that says vast audience audiences produce limited revenues yeah so my question is why why do vast audiences have to produce limited revenues is that just because we're playing the same lowest common denominator advertising game
0: that's a reach and frequency game right which is over
1: why yeah. are we doing why are they doing that
0: yeah exactly i
1: mean because how is Gawker going to defeat BuzzFeed? According to what I read here, Gawker's only going to defeat Buzz, BuzzFeed if they get 151 million right. monthly exactly. visitors. And then BuzzFeed's going to get 152. They're now It's a commodity of the audience doesn't mean anything unless it's a number. This, is, this blows me away. And then they go in and talk later in the article about the New Republic, the 100-year-old Washington magazine, circulation under 50,000, announced last week that it wants to transform itself into a digital media business. Well, what does that yeah. mean? Does that mean they got to be like Gawker? <laughs> right. Or time? Or well, yeah <laughs> I just it's this whole thing about I mean, and even in this article too, it talks about and this probably should be the title of this podcast about, you know, is a media company a tech company? Because they say it the same thing, Now that media companies are becoming technology companies, when did this happen? Right, who, who's who's saying this? Would you stop? Right. I wanted to these like people a, to stop who, it. Who is? Who are they? These are, are media. The these they? are still right. media businesses. Just because they use technology, it's almost like saying, you know, back in, in the when they started uh, doing print magazines, it's like, oh, we better learn the ins and outs of the printing facility,
0: right? Exactly. Because now
1: we're a technology company because we got to understand this new technology. No, they don't. It's it's the right. same thing you talk about with the railroad and transportation industry right it's well and thing. it's when,
0: right and when i walk into marketing departments and and they show me the you know well here's where our digital VP of marketing sits. And then here's where our regular VP of marketing sits. It's like, wait a minute, what does that mean anymore? <laughs> are you, can you show me where the VP of TV sits? You know, and where, where does the VP of cameras sit for marketing? You know, what, what, where is these, why are we separating these things out? I, I just, it's, that's, a, it's, that's
1: a good question. A little, little sidebar it has nothing to do with this article. Are there going to yeah. be social media people? Are they going to be are you going to have a person of social media because technically they're they're new media channels.
0: Uh, so look, I don't think so. Uh, this is where I get myself into trouble. I, I, I don't uh, I don't believe so. No, I believe in the future that uh, that, you know, and, and we talk about this and uh, that anything that delineates channels is, you know, is something that will won't scale. Right. You can't. Right now, what we've done over the, what marketing departments have done over the last fifteen years is scale by channel and technology. In other words, we throw teams at it based on channel or technology. So we have a social team now. We have a mobile team. We have a web team. We have a blog team. We have the uh, you know e-commerce team. We have you know all these teams that are based either on a technology or a platform. And that is the thing with the iteration that's going on right now in digital that must, and I believe will, change. You just have to. You just, you can't, you, there's there's going to be no, there, the number of platforms and technologies will continue to come and go. And so you just can't fire people fast enough and hire people fast enough for the iterations that are happening in both technology and on platforms. And so ultimately, it doesn't matter if you have a social team or an e-commerce team or a web team, you just need teams that are focused on, how content flows through the business independent of what channel it flows through. It's that's, a, it, yeah. That's it's, the, that's the real key.
1: That's so interesting and even in our, you know, back to our predictions post, uh, our good friends at King Content said something, you know, um, said something about how content marketing will just become marketing. And I I think I've said that once or twice back in the day, but I yeah. don't believe that. I don't believe that right now because of the fact that content marketing is a different approach a vastly different approach from what we've taken traditionally and if you just say it's marketing i think you're going to get lost and you don't understand that this is a different way of communicating with customers maybe that's, some no, way
0: no 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 the, you just said it beautifully right that's exactly it it's a new way of communicating and cre- and quite frankly creating value so it be so content marketing doesn't just Get absorbed into marketing. Content marketing becomes marketing, part of marketing, right? And so, I, it is separate, and it is a separate way of creating value for customers. It has to become that, but it ultimately becomes an over, you know, it, it, it overall, it, it's an overall approach to the marketing and, and advertising and communication. Yeah, strategy well, you of a company. you
1: say it, and you say it all the time about how you know content marketing can be infused into all types all parts of the business, especially marketing. But the the thing is for 2015, we can't just say that it's marketing now because it is so different at this point.
0: Well, especially when we still have people coming up and, 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 you know, to use the George Bush as a misunderstanding, the idea of what content marketing is and basically thinking that if I create a you know a case study that talks about how how awesome we are as a company that that's somehow content yeah. marketing because well it's got content in it doesn't it and it's part of marketing so it must be content marketing no it's not it right it's that when we talk you know a piece of collateral or an email that talks about features and benefits is not content marketing it is it is not creating separate value that is discrete from our product and service you know and
1: and just bringing that back to this article you know and and nick denton's you know ceo of gawker and his exhaustion at the pace of change right i just remember i was thinking as i was reading this i'm thinking remember remember back in in 2007 2008 we we would just make a, a a a recommendation: to Almost every company that you need to have a blog. You need to have a central hub where right, you can communicate exactly. with. I can't make that today. I can't yeah. tell you right off the bat now that you need a blog, or I, I think it's, right. it's not that simple. It has become it has become so so challenging now with all the different technology and all the different. Uh, ways to reach our audience that it's not just, here's not just one way to do it. So I think that, you know, that's where you have to really, it's, it's harder, it's easier to reach the audience because we can, and there's no barriers to entry, but it's also harder at the same time because we have a consumer that's constantly moving and we have to focus on their needs. So it's just, you know, it's interesting.
0: Absolutely. Well, speaking of challenging and technology challenges and scaling content and the process, You know, one of the hardest things to do is to scale globally and to really figure out this content marketing process across a global strategy. And luckily for us, we have a sponsor who can help out with that. I've heard, anyway, rumors of that.
1: That was, I have to tell you, that was a wonderful segue. I almost didn't see that coming. That was almost (laughs) like a native ad.
0: We need to have music or something underneath. We need to play We
1: need yeah, you know what I should if I had to, if I wasn't so lazy I would be <laughs> I'd <be> put <putting> music <laughs> to that, maybe a big gong or something like that. This old marketing is proud to be sponsored by our good friends at AcroLinks, which builds enterprise linguistic analytics software that helps brands intelligently translate and manage their content in multiple languages, very very important as you were saying, Robert. Acrolinks is promoting a new ebook that we both recommend. Speak with one voice. Real ebook. How to gain competitive advantage in the content era. It answers some questions like, uh, you know, how do you get your content to stand out? We were just talking about that. How should companies align their marketing and technical content so they actually speak with one voice to their? Prospects and customers, wouldn't that be a nice thing for companies to do? We would love that, and this uh, e-book will help you get there. Please be sure to download it. You'll get some of the best practices around right now. You can register for it at bit.ly.com, bit.ly.com slash pnr acrolinks two pnr Acrolinks the number two. Uh, probably the easiest way to do it is just go to contentmarketinginstitute.com. Uh, click on podcast. You'll see our show notes up there, and you'll see it right in there. And if you go and you download it, it actually helps us and keeps us on the air, which is good if you want to continue to listen to us. And if you don't want to listen to us, then don't go download it, I guess. <laughs> But it's actually in and of itself. Let's say – no, let's do this, Robert. Even if you don't want to listen to us, it's still a good piece of content.
0: It's really a good piece of content (laughs) regardless of what you think of our little show. That's right. That's right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for your favorite part of the show. It is our Rants and Raves section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave on something that has just given us all kinds of heartburn or something that we want to show a little bit of cheer toward, To And this – I think we both have raves in the Christmas spirit here. Of course. Um, And uh, you are going first because you have this old marketing. I
1: do. I do. And this is sort of a continuation. I saw this a lot of people on uh, my Facebook stream we're yeah. sharing this out, and and I wanted to share it as well. It's basically, this is an article from The Guardian, uh, but George Clooney's article, you can find it in many different places, but basically it's George Clooney saying nobody stood up, and it and talks about George's uh, take on the Sony hack and what happened, yeah. and what and I'm going to read a part of this for you, and we can have a little conversation and then go on. Because I know we covered it last week because – what was that? Aaron Sorkin's last week was the one right. you covered. Right, he was
0: covered. the op-ed. Yep, he was the which op-ed. Was, which the was York
1: fantastic. Time. But this is – I want to make this – Well, a related. lot has happened since then. Well, well I mean, exactly. So much. But I wanted to also relate it back to us as brand marketers and, and what we need to be thinking because <clears> <throat> I think it's very relevant to us as well. But basically, George says in an interview with Deadline, uh, do whatever you can to get this movie out – not because everybody has to see the movie, but because I'm not going to be told we can't see the movie. That's the important part. We cannot be told uh, we can't see something by Kim Jong un or anyone else, and uh, a couple of expletives that he throws in, and we have allowed North Korea or whoever to uh, dictate the content, and that's just insane. And you know what? This is, and I, I don't, I'm probably going to get some hate mail for this, but I'm going to make the connection between what we just talked about with Verizon. You can't let other people dictate your story. That's right. And that's exactly what we're letting us do. And and I letting letting this happen, this whole Sony thing happen. I hope Sony comes out and says, Hey, we we can't let anybody tell us what we're going to do and not do, because this is this is just the start. If this if this happens to a big company like Sony, somebody can come over to us, you and I, Robert, and they can say, Yep. Oh, we, if you release that podcast that you talked about our article, we are going to do X, Y, Z to you. It's exactly what this is. It's just a threat. So are we going to stop? I mean, are we, we going to change what we do because of that? I mean, by the way, uh, this is not the same and I'm not even saying that it's close to the same, but you and I get some negative reviews on occasion. We've got (laughs) some actually horribly negative reviews, but we also get wonderful reviews and we love all of you by the way. Uh, but it's almost like, oh, we get that negative review, we're going to stop doing what we do. Um, and and I guess that's my whole take with it. And I think we have to stand up. And I'm hoping this Sony makes the turnaround because we, they have to set an example for all of us brands because we are going to get the same thing happen to us by somebody who says they don't like our content. And are you just going to take it off the market because of that? So. Good for it's George a, Clooney.
0: No, it's a, yeah, it's a great, it was a great note, I thought. And, you know, as I said in my rant last week, I was not surprised that the Hollywood community, you know, didn't rise to the occasion um, because, quite frankly, it's a, you know, I mean, it's it's certainly not a surprise to anybody that it's an extraordinarily self-centered um, and, you know, eat your own young kind of culture in Hollywood. So when when I heard that nobody signed his petition Um, I not only wasn't surprised, I thought, you know what, I bet George knew when he circulated that petition that it that nobody would sign it. And it was going to be sort of, you know, it's one of those things where he just he wanted to make his point um and and i think he did beautifully actually um and it really speaks to not only the rant that i had last week which was you know about us hopefully being there when it do, it will happen to somebody it's going to happen to somebody um a, there was a wonderful article by the way uh in, weirdly enough and ironically enough in gawker uh this week and i'm forgetting his name the writer's name who basically was the guy do you remember last almost exactly a year ago, this time last year, um, the woman who went to South Africa and before she got on the plane tweeted oh, out that, yep, yep. that she was gonna you know that she was going to Africa and that she was Hope she pregnant. doesn't get AIDS or something right, like Right, exactly. Is that what it was? She said yeah. Yeah, right. She said, Don't worry I'm white, right? And then got on a plane and basically her by the time she landed in Africa it was her life was ruined I mean you know this writer went back and met with her Um, and it's a wonderful article I'll I'll find it for the show notes. it's a great article it's a wonderful article and where he talks about meeting her because right on the heels quite frankly of him in the you know in the spirit of you know moving too quickly and, and overwhelmed in a you know sort of tweetable moment said something about the whole Gamergate thing and basically said a tweet that, you know, really on its own would have been completely harmless. But in the sort of inflammatory environment that now we live in, and especially with that particular issue, he went through the same thing. And so he had actually gone through the same thing as her, not to quite the degree she did, but but in this meeting that they had with each other, they were sort of – he was saying – you know what? What I came to learn was is that she's a very smart, considered, thoughtful person, and I felt bad. And it's you know, it's it's this idea of we are going to make mistakes, as well as there are going to be mean people who will try and do you know hack and and do mean things to us. And what our reaction to that is as important as the actual. It's know, more important. And, yeah,
1: it's more important. Actually, what's interesting about this whole thing. And we have it right in, in our, our bathroom um, at home. It's a, so it's a statement. It's right on the wall. And it says life is, is uh, uh, 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it or something yeah, like that. Exactly. And so that's it. And yeah. that's about Verizon. It's Sony. It's everything. And I guess what we need to do is we need to prepare. If you are out there creating content, you need to prepare for this because it's going to happen to you
0: exactly especially if you take a distinct point of view right yeah. I mean imagine, and you should imagine what ha- would have happened to Verizon if they had actually said what well, we're sitting what, what, you know it's easy for us to sit here on the couch and go yeah they absolutely should have said shut up we can talk about net neutrality however we want but the 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 vitriol and and volume of hate tweets that would come from that you've got to be willing to withstand that so having you know having a distinct point of view is going to be tough in today's in, in today's landscape and and but i think the winners will be that which have that distinct point of view
1: i totally agree that's the one man there's i mean i read my last book epic content marketing there's six keys to it one of those keys is actually have a point of view yep. you're not just reading the news here right you actually have to take a stand on something yeah, and exactly. uh, with that comes responsibility. So. Exactly. There you go.
0: All right, well mine's very very short. I, you know, I am feeling uh especially happy, especially <laughs> jolly this time of very, year. Very very jolly. And I just picked two of my favorite Christmas ads, and they're it's not even content marketing. They're just wonderful, wonderful they're ads. They're good stories. One for, they're just, they just tell beautiful stories in, in in the scheme of an advertisement. One is from John Lewis, um, which is called Monty the Penguin. Uh, we'll link to it, obviously, in the show notes, and if you're listening to this before the show notes come out, just go Google John Lewis and Monty the Penguin. It's just a wonderful, wonderful story. Um, and then the second comes from, of course, I'm a huge fanboy of what Coca-Cola does, but they're bringing joy to others commercial this year it's just their it's their 2014 uh christmas commercial it's just delightful those two those two are just they sort of encapsulate the whole idea of christmas to me and it's just it's it's wonderful it's really really yeah and
1: we'll put those both in the show notes um they're fantastic they're worth worth watching and i mean you know we don't have anything against advertising but when you put ads but when you put ads together make it worth watching and that's what these two of course john lewis has been doing it Oh yeah, long yeah. time. Absolutely. You
0: know, I mean, and the key, of course, is is that n- neither of them really, you know, speak to features and benefits. They're all just delivering great human, you know, stories, and that's 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 what I think makes them so great and memorable.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right.
0: This old marketing. Let's we do have it. A wonderful example.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this comes from our good friend Jeff Herman. Uh, Jeff is the chief revenue officer over at Fathom Good Partners of of CMI and he's a he's been a very loyal listener to the show and always uh, tweets us out and he sends us email well his latest one was on this as a this old marketing example and I thought it was great cuz I'd never thought about this before cuz I didn't read the article in USA Today until now so for those of you that don't know you know car talk Is has been a one of the most successful NPR shows on the planet. It started in uh, 1977 and went all the way through 2012. And uh, it's basically the you know, two car guys, uh, basically car talks click and clack, the Tappet brothers. Uh, but it was you know, the the Magliosi brothers actually put this on, and I didn't know the detail. Um, so when when Tom, uh, Passed away, I believe it was recently, if I'm not mistaken. He did, yeah. So just he passed away recently. And this is where the, the article comes months. from. You got it. The article comes from November. And I didn't know the history of the show. Of course, I knew of the show, but I didn't know the history. So there's a couple things that are important. First of all, started in 1977, and this is what I didn't know, Robert, which I just thought was incredible. They actually started the show to get more business to their garage. Yeah. yeah, So so let me, me, I'll read this part to you because it's really cool. So, Tom and Ray, you know, the brothers, Click and Clack brothers, made Car Talk a weekly must hear show. Um, They turned it into a very entertaining show about, you know, how to fix up your cars and they had call in guests and and whatnot. Um, You know, began, one of NPR's most popular, began in 77 in, in, in Boston. Uh talked about fixing cars again. They basically goofed off like we do. <laughs> uh, but, but Ray says in the USA Today interview in 2008, says, when we first started doing the show, it was mainly to attract customers to our garage. So it was a content marketing initiative. We saw that as a vehicle, no pun intended, to get people to know who we were. And then talks about some of the things they had to do to get people. Because they couldn't they couldn't say where the garage was. So they created some puzzlers and some contests to, that basically they could give the address of the garage away. So people would know that they had a garage. And then they, they could go there because of the whole rules about what they could talk about and what they couldn't. A little bit different back then because they, they were syndicated. But it's just interesting. So they went from 77 they started. 1986 they had 11,000 listeners on one station. And in 2012, they had 660 syndicated stations and 3.3 million regular listeners.
0: Wow. Which That's I amazing. just think is
1: a great story. Uh, I've been listening to a little bit of it lately just to – because they're running reruns. Yeah. Oh, it's it a great
0: – I used to listen to it every Sunday. It's, it's just it's, a
1: fantastic. Isn't it something – did you know that? Did you know that they started to grow their I garage? did not.
0: I, I did not know that they started it to, to – to, to, uh, to to promote their own garage. Um, I knew in the very early days that it was um, that it wasn't, it, it, that they just found these guys, right, that, you know, and but um, I didn't start listening obviously until much, much later, um, and, but you know, I mean Honestly, those two guys, you and I talked about this in the early days. That this is kind of what we wanted this show to be, right? Was sort of the car talk of, and a couple of people have said that they were a little bit like click and clack, the the car talk guys for content marketing, which I take as a high high compliment. That
1: is a compliment. Just th- let's let's real quick, let's think about that. So they they started in seventy seven, and they were they stopped recording in two thousand and twelve. So that was thirty five years. Yes. Thirty-five years? How we are we going to do this in thirty-five years? Oh (laughs) my God! I hope not. (laughs) Seventy-six. This is going to be interesting.
0: If we're doing this in thirty-five years, um, well, you know. (laughs)
1: Hey, whatever it is. What is this episode fifty-eight? Haven't missed a.
0: Hello, Joe. (laughs) Hello, content
1: marketers. I'm here. Oh boy, psoriasis. Oh boy, here's a here's a new oh boy new story. (laughs) You know. I'm sorry.
0: I can't record today. I've got to go for the blue light special at Denny's.
1: yeah, it says just- Hold on. I'm cranking up the AOL. Uh, Hello? I can't get it going. Oh, my goodness. Anyways, on that note, what's on going on note- with you this week? Um, uh, you know we got Christmas. It is
0: Christmas. It is Christmas, my friend. I am home, and uh, I, I, am, I am just uh, happy to be here and hanging out and do some cooking and some drinking and some – lounging around watching football just a a nice relaxing week
1: yeah same thing for me uh no not going out of town this time either and uh, you nice. know just incredibly nice. incredibly thankful i'd like yeah. to just uh, a, a, so a, so much grateful to you thankful to the listeners Absolutely. for listening it's been a it's been a great ride over this year and uh, and uh, gives us a lot to be thankful for this this time of year to uh, to those people of all faiths so absolutely it
0: does all right that is it for Joe Polizzi this is Robert Rose we're signing off And, you know, tweet us up, hashtag thisoldmarketing. We love getting your tweets, your emails, your texts, your LinkedIn messages telling us what we should be paying attention to, giving us ideas for the show. Um, Or, you know, be old-fashioned, right? Go out the old classic way, thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com if you want to send an email. And if you like this episode number 58, do consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All those links are on the show notes available at thisoldmarketing.com. Tune in next week, folks. We're going to be here. We're going to be here for the new year. We'll—I don't know what we'll do, but we'll do something, Um, and it'll be lots and lots and lots of fun. So have a wonderful holiday, everybody. Remember, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on this one.